0: three messages have been about one word and that word is endure. And I hope that the Lord has given you some opportunities to endure some things. I know that he has a sense of humor because there are things that we go through in our lives and we just wonder, why God? Why am he? Why am I the special one that gets chosen that has to endure these things? But God says that those who endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And so I've tried to keep that verse in my mind and in my heart at all times because I know that we must endure. We must carry on. Things get tough. The path gets dark. But how many believe today that the Lord is with us when times get tough? Things come against us, but praise God, we can endure. Are you with me today? Is everybody awake? All right. Just making sure. We've been following the life of Joseph, though, and we've, we've seen his journey from someone who was loved by his father, despised by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He rose through the ranks of being sold into slavery only to be falsely accused of something and then thrown into prison. If there's anybody in the world who could have an opportunity to say, Woe is me! It would be Joseph. Now, if he were alive today, he might get pretty upset. He, he might say something like this, God, I go to church every Sunday. I'm always sharing Bible verses on Facebook. Every, every post that I see that says like and share for Jesus, I like and share it because I don't want to ignore it for the devil. I even shared that picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi that everybody was talking about was a picture of Jesus. You know, and I I do all of these things, but why is this happening to me? And we hear that all the time. I'm a good person. I do all of these things for God, but yet stuff keeps happening. But he remains faithful. He endures. He doesn't play the pity card, and he sticks to his guns. You know, I hope I get to the point in my life where I'm not, and and you know, we've all been there. We have this big cosmic balance in our life. We we think about it anyway. We we think about all the good stuff that happens that has to level out with the bad. And so we want our life to be balanced. We want good things to happen. We don't want bad things to happen, but as long as there's enough good to offset it, we're okay. But then once the bad starts piling up and the scale gets a little tipped, we get a little miffed because we're saying, Now God, you're piling on a little more bad than you are good, and so What's going on? And I thought about this. That's because we have fair weather faith. And we talk about, you've seen fair weather fans, poor Steph Curry. Game six, he lost his cool and threw his mouthpiece at somebody. And you know, there's a lot of fans who might get really upset if and when the Warriors lose tonight. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go there. Ah, sorry, sorry. But but you might get a little upset. There might even be people who say, I'm not watching them anymore. They lost. I'm going to be a Cavs fan now because I'm cheering for the winning team. You know what we call those people? We call them fair weather fans. I don't want to have a fair weather faith. You know, on this Father's Day, I don't want to be a fair weather father. Say that five times really fast and you you might mess it up. But Something I learned about parenting very early on is that we don't get to take off and put on the the dad name badge whenever we feel like it. You know, that, that little boy that we had first, he didn't come with an instruction manual. And so we get home from the hospital and he's laying in that bed and me and June are looking at each other saying, now what? <laughs> Look at the instructions, honey. I don't know. What's, is there any kind of pamphlet or insert under, underneath that we can look at for some directions? But the thing about it is, we don't get to stop being parents when it's convenient. We don't get, we don't get to stop being uh, siblings and, and children when things get tough. In the same way, we cannot let ourselves be part-time Christians. We can't, we can't serve God and put on a happy face when things are good, but then as soon as things are bad... We turn away and we turn our backs and we say, no, God never had anything to do with me anyway. It's not fair. I'm just going to take my and I'm going to go home. We shouldn't want to do anything in our life halfway. I don't like doing things in my life halfway. I like to do things all or nothing. If we are Christian, then we are called children of God. So we cannot be part-time children. We cannot be part-time Christians because you know what? Our Heavenly Father, He is not a part-time Father. He is not a fair-weather Father who just shows up when things are good and blesses us when things are going well. We may think there are times when He's far away. I don't feel His presence like I used to. The Spirit of God is just not moving like before. Well, I got news for us. God is moving. He is always moving because He is God. And He is in this place today because this is God's house. How many have felt the presence of God in this place? If we can't feel His presence, it's a reception problem, not a data problem. And here's what I mean. His Spirit's moving. He's in the place. We're, not, we're just not receiving What he's sending. I heard a preacher once say it's like putting yourself on airplane mode. There's all kinds of data, there's all kinds of information that's waiting to be poured into us, but we have turned off the ability to receive it. So, what we can also say is God doesn't change. Do you believe that? He doesn't abandon his children. Thank God he doesn't abandon his children. He didn't abandon Joseph. Let's look at the book of Genesis, chapter 39, starting with verse 20. And this is where we left off last week. Joseph had just been accused of raping Potiphar's wife, or trying to at least, when in reality she was the one who made the advances and he got out just in time. But old Potiphar wasn't having it. Of course he's going to believe his wife over this slave. And so verse 20 says, Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Hallelujah. Even in prison, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Now, I didn't count how many times the word prison was in that set of scriptures, but it was a lot. The writer of this scripture wants you to know that Joseph was in prison. Come on. (laughs) You're all worse than my algebra class. (laughs) What? Huh? Sorry. I'm sorry. Just as in the pit and while he was in slavery, the Lord was with Joseph. Isn't that good to know that it doesn't matter what situation we find ourselves in, and this, this is just parroting what I said last week when we talked about Joseph being in slavery, but it doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how dark it gets that the Lord is with us, and not only that, the Lord makes what we do prosper. You know, I, I remember a story, well, I remember a scripture It says, the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. And I remember a time when we were little and me and Jamie, we were playing outside. <gasps> Kids used to do that, you know. It used to be something crazy that we would do and there was no adults hovering over us. <gasps> what? And we didn't get social services on us one time. You know, I saw an article not too long ago That there were, I think, three or four kids playing in a fenced-in backyard at their house. And the mother was inside. She could see them through the window and could see them. And there was somebody who drove by and took it upon themselves to call social services on this lady because her kids were playing unsupervised. What kind of world are we living in that we can't let our kids play outside by themselves? My goodness. But... We were living in a single wide at the time, and we we could actually see some pretty bad clouds rolling in and Dad hollered for us to come into the house because we didn 't know it, but he knew it that we had some pretty bad storms headed our way, and he actually we, we cried and, and whined and complained because we didn 't want to come inside. <laughs> let that sink in for just a minute and so he bribed us with popsicles, and I, I can still be convinced of a lot with a popsicle. But anyway, we were actually under a tornado warning, and so we get in. and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase "happier than a tornado in a trailer park," but we were in a trailer park with a tornado coming our way, and Dad he he instructs us get under the kitchen table. And looking back on it, I'm thinking, okay, well, that was the best option at the time. And we felt, we certainly felt safe under the table. But I kept saying this phrase out loud over and over again. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. And that tornado touched down nearby. And the roof of the na- the, our next door neighbor, it flew off and landed in our yard, not on top of us. Not anything near us, but in our yard. The Lord never left us or forsook us, if that's the correct verbiage. But you know what? It's one thing to read that verse and proclaim that when it's sunny and 75 degrees. It's another that when we're facing the down the barrel of a storm that we can stand up and we can just like a child to have enough innocence and to have enough boldness to say, now the Bible tells me that the Lord will never leave me or forsake me and I'm going to stand on that promise. I don't care what is coming my way. I don't care what storm has touched down nearby. I'm going to stand on the fact that I can endure through whatever comes my way. Hallelujah. In prison, Joseph found favor. He was put in charge of the other prisoners. Think about that for just a second, how crazy that sounds. And that's how radically, that's how the Lord can radically change whatever position that we are putting in. We may look at it and say, well, I'm in prison. There is no way that God can promote me. There is no way that God can use me. There is no way that God can can even put me to work in any kind of situation because of what I'm in right now. And he'll look at you and say, All right then, big boy, I'll show you what can happen. You talk about inmates running the asylum. Joseph was put in charge of the other prisoners. And the warden who was there said he didn't even look into his business. A prisoner comes in. And he's running the prison. And the guy's like, hey, I trust him. He's good. He's he's all right. He's a good fellow. He's going to do things the way it needs to be done. The enemy would like nothing more than to bind us up, lock us up, and throw away the key. But God is telling his church today, it's not over until I say it's over. You may feel like that you are in prison. You may feel like that you're in a situation you can't get out of. But God says, just watch me work. Watch me do my thing, and I want to just shock everybody at the promotion that's coming your way. Whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Can I let you in on a little secret between me and you? Life is not going to go the way that you envision it. And the older people said amen. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've, I'm not as seasoned as some of our more seasoned <laughs> and tender Marinated a little while. But we had this idea when we were younger about how our life is going to go. We have the idea of the perfect job, the perfect spouse, the perfect house, and the car. Hashtag life goals. In 10 years, I want to own a Bentley. You know, and then you turn around and say, well, uh, okay, that one didn't come true. Maybe I'll settle for a Beetle. <laughs> and... Uh, Nothing wrong with them. Hey, nothing wrong with them. But things get messy. Things don't fall into place the way we want them to because there's so many detours that we take along the way. But no matter what goes down, no matter what seems to happen, you may feel like that you're up here with what you want to do and life just knocks you down here. And you feel like that you're not going to be effective in that role or in that path now, but God will make it prosper. It doesn't matter. Don't ask God for your life to line up perfectly, young people. Don't ask for that. Because that's boring. Like looking back on difficult situations and, and curveballs that are thrown in your life, that's what makes life bland. It's, it's, the, it's the way that things are just shaken up and the things are, that are moving And they're moving targets and we don't quite know what's coming next. That's what makes life great. Imperfections are what make life perfect. They really are. If you you look at it and see God's hand, and even in the imperfections, it makes for a perfect life. Instead of praying to him to get you out of a mess, ask him that he will let you prosper in your mess. So, you're given the opportunity to prosper in a mess, but eventually we want out of a mess, right? We don't like to stay nasty. We don't like to stay stuck. We don't like to stay in the mud. You know, and on Father's Day, I I tend to look at it a little bit different from a different perspective because with our kids, we want them to learn things. We want them to grow from, from certain things. But there are times... In a son and daughter's life, when the only time that they're going to learn something is to experience it, to live through the mistake, and then to learn from it and move on and do different things. It doesn't matter how many times we tell them, sometimes they simply learn from messing up. And we've been there. Daniel, don't stick your finger in that fan. Daniel, don't stick your finger in that fan. Daniel, don't stick your finger in the fan. <laughs> Ow! Gosh! Why did you let me stick my finger in that fan? I tried to tell you. Don't stick a fork in that outlet. <laughs> if, you, if you want to get ice cream out of the of the carton, do not stick the spoon in the microwave to warm it up. <laughs> I didn't do that, but I saw somebody who did. But... As a father, I don't like seeing my children stay in a mess. If I see them in this perpetual cycle of mistakes, you better believe that I'm going to do my best to try to reach into that situation and help them the best that I can. Our Heavenly Father will always offer us a way of escape. It may not be on our timing. We may not get to go in the express checkout lane for our blessing, but deliverance is coming. It's a long chapter, but I, I encourage you to read it. I'm not going to read it all. Genesis chapter 40. We're going to, I'm going to just paraphrase some of this. It sounds like a uh, fairy tale, uh, nursery rhyme. The butler, the baker, and the candlestick maker, although it's, it's not the candlestick maker, are thrown into prison. There's a butler and a baker, that's all. Although the, the rhyme would have been pretty cool. And they were in custody for a while. You know, we like to, again, like I said last week, we like to speed through this story. And we read, okay, Joseph's in prison. A couple of days later, this butler and this baker show up. No, no, it's been years. It's been years since Joseph has been in prison, and these two come into the prison. And then it's years after that, that Joseph comes into them one day, and they're they're all distraught because they both had dreams about something. So Joseph says, all right, guys, tell me what the dreams are about. He says, Butler, you, come here. Jeffrey, I'm going to call him Jeffrey from Fresh Prince. Jeez. <laughs> come here, Jeez. What'd you dream about? He tells him the dream. Joseph said, well, listen, you are in luck, my man, because in three days' time, Pharaoh, who threw you in here, he's going to call you back. He's going to restore you to your old job. And he's going to let you prosper and you're going to be out of here. Awesome, man, that is great. Thank you for telling me that. I look forward to it now. Joseph says, all right, I told you this. So just do me one favor, okay? Please just do me one favor. All right, I'll put an alarm in my phone. I got it. Tell Pharaoh that I told you this dream was going to come true. Got it, man. I am, I am your man. You can count on me. And so then he turns to the baker, and the baker says, All right, man, that that butler, he had a good dream. I'm going to tell you mine, and you can let me know the good news, okay? And Joseph says, Well, actually, Mr. Baker, you're going to die in three days because the king is going to have you hanged. Oh, well, that's disappointing. And so it happens exactly as Joseph says. Three days later, the butler... He's promoted back to his original job, and Pharaoh has the baker executed. Joseph predicts this, right? There is no way that butler could ever forget what happened to him, right? The favor that he owed Joseph, the one thing that he he found out, that good news he was able to bear. You had one job, my man. You had one job to tell this guy what Joseph did, and he did not do it. So Joseph is thinking, okay, I did this favor, Pharaoh's going to come get me anytime. Two more years pass by, and Pharaoh has a dream, and he doesn't know what it means. And the butler, good old Jeeves, old Jeffrey, whatever you want to call him, Jeffrey Jeeves, he says, oh man, Pharaoh, I meant to tell you this just the other day, well... Two years ago, and you know some change it, it popped up on my memories on facebook that's I remember it now. I was supposed to tell you that this man joseph he 's in prison and he can he can tell you what your dream was, and, and you 'll be good to go so Joseph is called up, asked to interpret the dream here 's what he tells pharaoh pharaoh you 're going to have seven years of excess in the land it 's going to be crops, galore everything, abundance that you can't imagine. But it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And so what you need to start doing is you need to start gathering up this excess and storing it for when the famine comes. So Pharaoh collects, he starts gathering it up. If only I could find someone trustworthy and genuine and dependable to put in charge of this. In Genesis 41, we see this. Start with verse 38. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word, only in regard to the throne that I will be greater than you. (laughs) All the people is in charge, but you still answer to me, big guy, just so you know that. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over the land of Egypt. When the spirit of God resides in us, there is no bondage. There's no pit. There's no slavery. There is no prison that can keep us held down because God Almighty will step into the scene. He will spend, we'll spend a little time out. But God says, come out of there. We, he will lift us out just like he lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace, just like he lifted Daniel out of the lion's den, just like he lifted Lazarus out of the tomb, it doesn't matter if we were even dead, God says, I will bring you out. Don't, yeah. Don't ever think he doesn't care. Don't ever think he doesn't listen when we pray or when we cry out to him. He rose from slavery to being over the entire land of Egypt. The number two man, okay? Pharaoh made that clear. You're ruling everybody except me. I'm I'm Pharaoh. But here's something else to think about. Joseph's dreams got him into all kinds of trouble. But it was also Joseph's dreams that got him out of trouble. So that's why we can't stop dreaming. That's why we can't stop asking God for visions and plans for our life. They can't get lost in the trouble and the chaos. We've got to keep believing that I may be in the middle of a mess, but there will come a time when my dreams come to fruition. There will be a time when the dreams that I have held onto so tightly, even in the darkest of nights, are going to come to pass. They will overcome slavery. They will offer us a prison break. You know, things are going pretty well in Egypt. Seven years of excess, but then followed by seven years of famine. And all over the nearing countries, all the nearby lands, they have to then come to Egypt to get their food because nobody else knew what was coming. And looky here, who comes asking for food but Joseph's family. His brothers, had in hand, come to see Joseph for food, all except Benjamin. And they have no idea it's Joseph. And of course, as any little brother would, he messes with them a little bit. They come in, he recognizes them. He says, you guys are spies. I know that you guys are spies. I just know it. I feel it in my spirit. Does anybody else feel like these guys are going to spy on us? Throw them in prison for a couple of days. Just let's make sure. And you know what? He spent years in prison, and they spent days in prison. But he wanted them to just have just a little taste, I guess, of what all they put him through. But then a a bunch of other stuff comes back, and it's easy to get lost in the story. But Joseph instructs his servants that once everybody is in town, his brothers, Benjamin included, to set up a dinner and have these men sit at his table, they think they're in trouble, They think something bad is going to happen. And Joseph actually reveals himself as who he is. And he tells them, go and get dad. Let's go get our dad because there's five more years of famine that's going to happen. And I want you to live here with me. The brothers who wanted to kill him, the ones who threw him in a pit, the ones who sold him to somebody as a slave, he could have sent them away. He could have had them killed. He could have disowned them, thrown them out hungry on the street, but instead, he prepared a feast for them. He loved them. He invited them in to live with him. Maybe you're here today and you've you've betrayed God over and over and over again. And you think there's no way that he could ever forgive you for what you've done. Not only does he forgive you, he has a feast waiting for you if you would just come and partake. And just like Joseph, instead of anger and contempt, he weeps at our return. All he wants to do is give us bread to feed us, to sustain us. Come to him today if you've been running. He wants you to come home. Just a few more thoughts to close out this series. Joseph ended up in a position of power to where his entire family submitted to his authority. You know what? That's what his dreams said would happen. And he didn't abuse that power once he got it. He showed compassion. He showed mercy. When we are given positions of power and authority, we need to remember that we must show people compassion. We must show them mercy. And I don't even mean just big old power. I'll, I'll share this story with you, and this, this is not to brag on me. I, I just want to give you an example of how we can show people compassion and mercy. I was in a, the line at, at a gas station in Lexington on Friday. And this guy in front of me, he had a pack of Tylenol and a sweet tea what he was getting at the gas station. It was $4 and something. And he looked down and he had a couple of dollars with him, two, I think $2 bills. And then he, he got his debit card out and he swiped his card and that, that lady said, sorry, your card's been declined for insufficient funds. And I was thinking, well, this guy's got a headache. He he's he's needs some Tylenol. He's had a bad day. He's got him some sweet tea. And he kind of stepped off to the side and pulled his stuff over. He said, you go ahead. And so I was just getting a couple bags of ice. And I told her, I said, go ahead and get his stuff for me, please. And she, the the guy, he was so thankful. He he tried to give me those $2 back. I thought, no, man, just keep it. Be blessed in the Lord. That's what I told him. You know, the Lord gave me, he put me in a position. He gave me an opportunity to show a little compassion to show that man just a little love of Jesus Christ. And I, I jumped on it best I could, you know. Joseph had these great dreams of what God has wanted him to do, but it was only through that obstacle course that God put in front of his life that he could do that. There was no other way that it could have happened except the way that God showed him. God may have big plans for your life. But there may be a pit, there may be some bondage, there may even be prison that you have to pass through first.